All right, what's up, guys? We're back with another edition of DNVR Madness, a national extension of our college basketball coverage. I'm Justin Michael. I cover the CSU Rams. I'm joined by Ben Girding. He covers the Colorado Buffaloes. This is DNVR Madness presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Ben, it's been too long. It's been about 12 days since we recorded last. That's kind of my fault. I had some chaotic things happening in my life. I'm getting a new car, people. I'm finally going to be a grown-up. That's kind of exciting. Ben had to get a new car recently, too. Not by choice, because somebody smashed into his and, and totaled it. But uh, what's up, Ben? How you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, it, talking about being an adult when getting a new car, that rubs off real quick. And then you realize, oh, my God, I just paid how much for a thing that's just four wheels and an engine? So, you know, <laughs> enjoy the honeymoon phase while you can, because as soon as that first payment hits your account, you're like, oh, God, here we go again. Oh, yeah. I uh, I hate spending money. And that's why I'm excited to talk about my friends, Mike and Virginia Chevalier. Guys, you're probably hearing how great the mortgage rates are right now. But Mike and Virginia, they're not your typical mortgage company. Sure, they've got phenomenal rates. What makes them different is that Mike is a certified financial planner. He looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family-owned company. You're always going to feel like a person, not a number. Ben, you've got to love that. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, though, get set up with a free consultation. Again, that's dnvrmortgage.com. Refinancing, it can be such a pain in the ass, whether you know looking at your current mortgage, buying a new home. Like in Virginia, they will make the process as simple as possible. Visit dnvrmortgage.com or give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Shout out to them. They're the best in the biz. Check it out. We want to save you money at DNVR. That's what we're all about. We're also all about college basketball, though, and it's heating up. It's getting to be the best time of the year. No, not the holidays. No, not whenever your birthday is. Nobody gives a shit about your birthday after you're like 18. Let me just put that out there. College basketball season, March Madness. That's what it's all about. Ben, where should we start? Because there, a lot has happened in the last 12 days. Yeah, I, let's start with, um, you know, let's start with looking a little bit about these seedings and look at that four seed because right now, top three are pretty much ironed out. You've got Zaga, you've got Baylor. Um, and interesting of note, just coming down the wire today, uh, Baylor, West Virginia for later in this week, looking to be either postponed or canceled, not due to COVID. So interesting. The 12 is in, in a situation where they're actually very similar to the Mountain West in that the conference is trying to force teams to schedule a bunch of games at the end. And none of the programs want it because, you know, whether it be resume or, I mean, having that many games right before the conference tournament just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them. So the Big 12 in an interesting predicament. But right now, let's talk about that four seed line because obviously Michigan beating Ohio State this week cementing themselves as one of the best programs in the country. With that being said, does that drop Ohio State out at the four seed? Or, you know, do you keep them there? What are your thoughts initially on that? I've been going back and forth on this because how do you punish either of these teams after watching that game? I mean, that was the game of the year so far, that Michigan-Ohio State game. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, at least go back and watch the highlights. It was just such a thriller back and forth offense on both ends, man. I I'm so impressed with Michigan's ability to get open looks from the floor and, and their three point shooting 
it's through the roof. I mean, look, we've we've obviously paid a ton of attention to Gonzaga and Baylor this year, rightfully so. Those teams are going to be nightmares. I wouldn't want to face Michigan or Ohio State in the tournament because they just have so many dudes. They're so deep. I mean, looking at that backcourt with Mike Smith and Eli Brooks in Michigan, that's lethal. You know, Dwayne Washington Jr., EJ Liddell on Ohio State, like these are deep, deep teams. I think as of right now, Ohio State's probably a two seed just because I think there's a couple of other teams. I think if Alabama wins out, they have a strong case to be the one seed, especially if they win their league. I don't, it's, I mean, there's a couple other ones. Illinois, I don't think can leapfrog them at this point. Who, I mean, who, I guess who else do you give it to? Cause Houston, Virginia just lost to Duke. Nova just lost. Uh, may, maybe you do give it to Ohio State. I might have just talked myself into it. Yeah, honestly, that's kind of where I'm at, just looking at the the field of who's who's kind of available to make that leap to the one line. I it's them or Bama, I feel like. I feel like those are the top two. Yeah, because, again, Ohio State, you know, when you play that competitively against Michigan in that grade of game, you know, you're you're absolutely right. You can't really fault them for that loss. And then you bring up a great point with Alabama. You know, if they win their league, you know, that that's going to put them at, uh, you know, 22, 23, and five, somewhere in that range. I, you know, if they went out something like that, they absolutely can be in that conversation. For me, Illinois, the the it's such an interesting situation for the fighting Illini because the metrics, the metrics love them. Love them. Oh my lord, do the metrics love them. But I I just I still can't get past that midseason slump. And you know, they've actually they've been on a bit of a roll recently. They're on a seven-game win streak, they're looking good. And Ayu Desumu is tearing it up. He had another triple-double last week. That's a team that went from maybe overrated to now almost maybe underrated, but they are also right behind Alabama, flirting with that two or one seed line. The problem is, is I still think Ohio State is better than them in the conference. So that's why I don't bump them up as a one, but probably for Illinois, the two or the third, the, the second or the third two seed. The thing that I like about Illinois they're coming together at the right time. You know, you mentioned seven straight wins. Four of those are by double digits. You know, they're kind of beating down some bad teams. But they've also got two wins in overtime and then just a straight-up five-point win over Iowa. They're a tough team. You know, they're coming together when they need to most. You know, you mentioned um, what they've got going in the back po- in the backcourt. Obviously, Kofi Cockburn, a true seven-footer, averaging 18 and 10. I mean, he's going to be a brutal draw for anybody in the tournament. The metrics love him. I'm not 100% sold on Illinois. I haven't been all season, but they, they kind of just feel like those one of those teams that stuck around long enough that they're just going to make a run. And then we're all going to be sitting here being like, well, why didn't any of us bet on Illinois? Or why didn't any of us believe in Illinois? They have a lethal combo in the front court and back court. I mean, what else do you need? Yeah, and the one thing too is, you know, who, who do you have at point guard and, and do you have that star player? And I would assume right now, his stats are incredible 22 points per game five assists six rebounds shooting 49 percent from the floor and 42 percent from three Ooh. dude is tearing it up so you know you look at a team like iowa with luca garza and you say well that's a team that's got a star but you know clearly they have lots of holes illinois is a little bit different because they have a star but also you know <laughs> they're just they're not that big of a liability on defense comparatively and i think that is 
why the metrics love them so much. They have the eighth ranked offense and the ninth ranked defense, putting them at fifth in Kempom. Um, obviously, the adjusted rankings for both of those uh, metrics. And I mean, they sit right behind Iowa in the Kempom. But if you look at it, Iowa is the number one adjusted offense, but the 75th adjusted defense. So realistically, I mean, which would you rather have, a one and 75 split or eight and a nine? I think it's a slam dunk to pick Illinois because of their balance. They do still have a leader and a, you know, an All-American in Ayudasumu. And they're really beating up on opponents. And like you touched on, they're coming together at the right time. Like you talked yourself back into Ohio State. I might have just, you know, we might have just talked me back into Illinois. Um, they, you know, they're a lot closer than I think I really realized instead of just talking it out. I trust Illinois. I trust Ohio State. I trust Michigan. I, I want no part of Iowa. I will put any, I, I'm not putting any money on Iowa going into this tournament. I love Luca Garza. I love what they can do from behind the arc. That's a team that feels like they have a first round exit all over them. They just, they're not tough. I mean, aren't, they're probably not going to lose. They're going to end up being like a two or a three seed. They're probably not going to lose in the first round, but I, I don't see Iowa making the sweet 16 at this point. Maybe I'll have to eat crow. They just, they feel soft to me, man. Like I, there's not a tough team in the country. Like, could, could they beat a Baylor? No, I don't think so. Could they beat Gonzaga? I don't think so. I can't, I don't think they would beat any of the top three teams in their own division. Like even some of these other teams at this point, Oklahoma, shit, Oklahoma State's coming on strong with Cade Cunningham. Like, I, I just don't trust them. I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place here. Iowa just kind of feels like they're frauds to me. Yep. And I mean, you know, they're on a four game win streak right now. But when you look at those four wins, Rutgers, who's really fallen off the wagon. Michigan State, who is just bad. Don, you know, Wisconsin, that's a good win. Um, that's a good Wisconsin win. is still not as good as I think the name recognition. And then Penn State. Penn State, real quick, while we're talking about them, 7-12 and 12, uh, is, is their season record. But this is another team that the metrics, like, weirdly really like them comparatively to their record. The 34th in Kempom which is very good for a team that's that far below 500. Um, Penn State actually had a decent chance to make the tournament four games ago um, because they were the metrics loved them so much. They've now lost four in a row, uh, including one at um, Michigan State and at home against Nebraska. So that pretty much cements that they won't get a look because of the metrics. But still just an interesting team. Um, you know, if, if you're Iowa, again, you're just hoping for – a miracle to get to the Sweet 16. I mean, you are going to need to draw either one of the worst defensive efficient teams, and that way you can just beat them in a shootout, or quite frankly, one of the worst offensive efficient teams, and that way you can just bank on the fact that, well, their bad offense is just not going to, you know, our bad defense might be better than their bad offense, something like that. Obviously, they're one of those teams. I mean, they got the number one offense in the country, according to Ken Palm. They can, you know, they can score with the best of them, but there's just something about the build of that team. And I know that's kind of, you know, leaning on some, some Fran stereotypes there. You know, Iowa seems to always, they seem to always choke in the spring. And, and I'm kind of putting that on them right now, but I just don't trust them right now. Let's, uh, let's move on. I think we, you know, we pretty much covered the basis with the main teams in the Big Ten at this point. Let's go to the Big East because Creighton might be throwing a little bit of a, just a little bit of a shoe into here. They, they, they beat down Villanova by double digits. They've still got another matchup coming up. 
I'm not so sure this is what the Big East wanted. You know, we kind of talked about how Villanova winning out and like earning a one seed or potentially a two seed would have been the best option. It could get kind of shaky down the stretch here. Yeah, if Villanova wins that game, I think they are the favorites for that fourth one spot. Um, now that they haven't, you know, they're still a two seed as it stands right now. But, you know, if Creighton beats them again, it becomes, you know, does Creighton and Villanova both sit at the three line just on opposite ends of the bracket? Or, you know, it, it's so fascinating. Creighton's got four games left, all beatable except really at Villanova. And then you look at Nova, who is one of those teams that's been hurt by COVID. Um, there are four games left. Their hardest one left is really against Creighton. So both of those teams should realistically finish with at least three more wins. One team is going to be three and one. The other will be four and zero in that stretch, realistically. And whoever does that should reclaim, or not reclaim necessarily, but claim the number one spot in the conference. At this point, it's really hard for me to pick. I think I like that Creighton has a, a bigger sample size, especially in the conference. I think that is why I would kind of side with them just because, you know, they've been through all the motions. Um, and so I, I think that they're more prepared for this game, but still going on the road is going to be tough. It's going to be a tough matchup. And realistically, even if Creighton wins out, I'm still not sure they sneak into the two seed conversation. So I think, Still think their ceiling is a three. Villanova, if they win out and win the conference, they still could actually jump up into that one spot, obviously depending on what happens with Bama and Ohio State. But like you touched on, it wasn't the outcome that the conference would have wanted. And I still think then they're rooting hard for a for a season sweet or a, I'm sorry, a sweet season split uh, in the next couple of weeks. I'll say this about Creighton. I threw $5 on them to win the national championship last spring. Obviously that tournament didn't end up, you know, happening. They're, they're another group that just seems to come together at the right time. And uh, they're, they're definitely a team I would not want to face if I was, you know, like a team like Iowa, if I'm Iowa and I have to face a team like Creighton, I'm, Oh God, here we go. Cause they can score with us, but they're tougher. They're just yep. tougher than some of these other teams. Is the, is the big East more than a two bid league right now? Because I have a hard time seeing any of these other guys sneak in at this point. No, and that's the problem, is there was a realistic path to this conference having three or even four teams just a few weeks ago. But now it just seems a little far-fetched. I think Seton Hall has a chance still. If they win out, it, it gives them a, a bit of the conversation, but... Just when you look at their resume against some other teams, you know, that might be on the bubble or anything even close to it, it, it just doesn't seem like there's a chance. Now, Seton Hall's 37th in Ken Palm right now, um, and they have a very good offense. Their problem is their defense. Uh, and real quick, I'm just looking to see where I can find them in the net, um, and that puts them at 51st in the net. So, again, they're kind of one of those bubble teams. I do think – if they went out, um, they, they have a chance. But outside of Seton Hall at this point, I, I do think it's far-fetched to believe anybody else is going to make it in. Um, I guess the other one maybe would be between Xavier and Connecticut if either of those two teams can get it together. But UConn really caught fire, uh, just lightning in a bottle for a bit in the season. They're really not as good as, as they appeared earlier on. So, yeah, I, I think it's a two-bid league uh, right now with a max of three bids if everything goes perfectly. 
it's unfortunate that Seton Hall lost that game one at Louisville by one. And then obviously most recently that that loss at Georgetown, I think is probably going to be the final nail in the coffin. I could see them winning out. I mean, they've got at, at uh, Butler, UConn at home, and then at St. John's. If they win out, maybe, like especially if they made a run in the Big East tournament or something, they put themselves in that play-in game conversation. But yeah, I think it's a two-bid league at this point. Let's move on to the ACC. And just briefly, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Duke's going to make the NCAA tournament. And I hate it. And I think it's wrong. And they're going to have like one quality win on their entire resume. And it's going to be that. But that Virginia win is going to be what gets them in the NCAA tournament. Fuck the system. It sucks. Excuse my language. I just... What did he do to deserve this? Nothing. I... It's so disappointing, quite frankly, that Duke is going to get in over a team like maybe CSU. Yeah, like Colorado State. And it just, it makes no sense. They are not a good basketball team. I don't care that they beat Virginia by a point. Flukes happen. Like Colorado gave up a 19 point comeback to Utah. You think they're going to do that every game? No. Colorado State scored 38 points in one game. That's a fluke. In college basketball, over the course of a season, teams are bound to have this kind of stuff. Unless you're Gonzaga and Baylor and are undefeated, you've screwed up at some point in this season. And I just – I don't understand it. Um, for a team like Duke, who is – you know, they have the best college basketball coach in history. So I understand – wanting to give them the benefit of the doubt in the sense that, you know, maybe they're just going to pull it together at the right time. But that one win vaulted them up so much in these like computer metrics that I am putting on my conspiracy theory hat because it's unbelievable. They jumped up to 30th in Kempom. They have the 11th rated adjusted offensive efficiency. This is a Duke Blue Devils team that is nine and six. In con, or I'm sorry, nine and eight in conference. That just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I'm sorry, nine and six in conference, 11 and eight overall. And then when you look at their net ranking, they're 47th in net. They somehow are actually positive in the quad one and quad two games. They are six, I'm sorry, they're, they're 500, they're six and six in quad one and quad two games. When did that happen? Because I'm pretty sure just two weeks ago, they were down in like the 70s or the 80s. So, you know, maybe it's my conspiracy theory hat on or or whatever, but how did all of a sudden their resume get that good? It does not make any sense to me. I don't know where these quad one and quad two wins are coming from. I guess Notre Dame would be one of them. Um, And I think Clemson may be in that quad one, quad two range. But other than that, I mean, dear God, they beat Virginia and that's it. They got, they lost at Pittsburgh. They lost at Louisville. They lost at Miami, like uh, North Carolina. They've had so many chances to prove themselves. I just hate that they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. Every ranked opponent that they played up until that Virginia game, they'd lost. Even Michigan State, who's absolutely terrible. So I, I just don't get it, but hey, the ACC, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. I think it was uh, the Georgia Tech coach the other day said that all 11 teams in the ACC should get in because it's like the best league in the country every year. 
Um, this is the worst ACC has been in a really long time. I'm just going to put that out there. Real quick, None of though, these teams are that good. Andy Katz put out his final bracket prediction of February. And Duke is not listed. Oh, thank However, God. Somebody, somebody, I know these projections are, you know, take them with a grain of salt. It's just kind of throwing stuff at the board and seeing what sticks. But shout out to Andy Katz. Have some backbone, NCAA. Come on, selection committee. Do what's right. Give a more deserving team. I got, I, I'm so discontented with the ACC this year. I don't even really want to talk about it. Who, who are these teams? I mean, North Carolina, they've got a chance, I guess. Um, Florida State, I mean, they've, they've come on strong over the last month or so. That, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I like Florida State. They're about the only team I really trust. Yeah, I mean, the problem for Florida State is they just had so many games canceled that it's just when you only play, you know, I mean, look, they're 13-3 and three right now. They're putting together a great season, like you said, really coming on strong at the end. But it's just a team that I think missed out on some opportunities to really – bolster this resume which is why i don't think they are in the two seed like annie Katz had them in this morning um just miss some opportunities that and like you mentioned combined with the fact that the acc is just not very good this year i, I will say i want to bounce back to the big east real quick because after i'm looking at this bracket prediction andy Katz has villanova as a two seed creighton as a five seed xavier in as an eight seed yukon in as an 11 seed is it a four-bid league? Yep, and I'm looking. I'm trying to How see. How many Mountain West teams does he have in then? Uh, Boise is an 11 seed. Uh, sorry, doing this live isn't great podcasting. But, <laughs> yeah, stalling. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Andy Katz is a cool fella. San Diego State is in a play-in game, and that looks to be about it. I take oh. back everything positive I said about Katz. He's dead to me. We're moving on. Absolutely dead to me. <laughs> yep. There's no way the Big East is a four-bid league, guys. Maybe not with, three. Not Maybe with the Mountain three. West is a two-bid league. That just doesn't – the math does not add up on that one, Mr. Katz. You silly boy. You did one thing right and didn't put Duke in, but other than that, you are struggling. Um, let's move on now. Let's talk about the Big 12. Big 12, as we mentioned in the opening, they've got some interesting news with Baylor and West Virginia being postponed slash canceled, neither team due to COVID. You know, this is a really, it's a marathon sprint for this conference to get to that, you know, that second place finish because Baylor right now looks to be in control. You've got Oklahoma, Kansas, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State really coming on strong. Then you've got Texas and Texas Tech both of which are struggling late down the stretch. Texas really kind of fallen off a bit over the last month, but Texas Tech in particular, they're on a three-game skid. They need to turn that around this week. They're running out of time. As far as all those teams, who do you think finishes in second place in this conference? I think Kansas probably uh, – it just depends on the stretch. Oklahoma State's got an outside shot. They've got to play Oklahoma twice and Texas Tech, and that's kind of a brutal way to close the stretch. But out of all these teams, man, I almost trust them the most. I mean, it's it's got to be them or OU, I guess. I, I'm a KU guy, so I want to put the belief in them, but I just I can't get there. I've tried to all season, and they just keep letting me down. I know they did get the win the other day against Texas Tech, but... Uh, I'm going to go Oklahoma, I guess. I'll, I'll go Oklahoma. What about you? Yeah, you know, I, I think Kansas has turned a bit of a corner. I'll say that. 
But the end of their schedule to go at Texas, and again, Texas not playing great, still a good basketball team. And then you have to finish at home against Baylor. That is just a brutal stretch. Exactly. Like I want to pick them, but I just, I can't give them the benefit of the doubt with that slate. Yep. And and the Sooners have three games left. Um, they play at home against Kansas State. That should be a lock. And then Deep you down. go at home and on the road against Oregon State. If you, I'm sorry, Oklahoma State. Too many OSUs in this damn country. Um, go at home and on the road against Oklahoma State. If they even just split that, they should probably finish up in second place because I don't anticipate Kansas beating Baylor. And quite frankly, Texas, I'd put that as a pick-em game. It's, I, I like all of these teams. They're, they're all fun to watch. It's just one of those, I don't really trust any of them on a given yeah. night. Like as a better, especially the big 12, I've just essentially completely avoided this year because every time I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, Texas tech, this is a lock. They're at home. They're, they choke or, yep. you know, Kansas. Oh, this is a winnable game. Nope. It, it's not because the big 12 is just chaos and that's college basketball. Speaking of betting though, it's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team. That team hits a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. You make it rain $100. That's the easiest way to make $100 I've ever heard. Pick a team, bet a dollar. If they hit a three, you win on $100. That's a no-brainer. This offer isn't going to be around forever, so head to the App Store now. Download DraftKings Sportsbook. Get in on all of the action. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, table tennis, whatever you fancy. DraftKings has paid out $7 billion to its customers since 2012. They know a thing or two about big paydays. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Get your shot to turn $1 into $100. Again, that promo code DNVR for when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions do apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I now have the gambling hotline memorized. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I guess uh, if anybody ever needs that number... <laughs> I'm I'm good to go. I I have not been doing very well on betting as a whole. I have been doing pretty well on college basketball of late. I'm hoping that I'm going to kind of get my flow here going into the NCAA tournament, find a way to make a little bit of money. I already put a decent amount of money down, at least for me. I I don't bet very much on Gonzaga to win it all. That that feels like, you know, a no-brainer. Who are a couple of other teams we could throw out real quick before we move on and talk about these other conferences that are maybe maybe worth sprinkling a little dough on? Obviously Baylor, but you know maybe like a Villanova or an Alabama. Those two come to mind for me. Yep, absolutely. Um, I think too Illinois has a shot, uh, and Michigan or Ohio State. I mean anybody from the Big Ten. Look, Gonzaga and Baylor are going to be people with the favorites. So I think if you're really looking for that not necessarily deep cut to pick another one seed, but the difference is this season, the first two seeds are so far and away of, he- of everybody else that picking another one seed actually might get you some decent odds. So if you put a unit or two on it, uh, you might be solid. You know, I, for one, I've been actually doing okay betting wise. I think I'm about 40 and nine uh, as my record. Um, again, you know, I just turned 21 last month. So 
But my thing is, I do not place any college basketball bets before the game. I'm just live betting on those. Um, and the only NBA games I bet on are the Nuggets. And that's just because I'm at the, at the studio listening to the Nuggets guys pregame show. And they talk me into everything. It's, it's a sickness, really. <laughs> um, but, you know, DraftKings likes to give away some free money, guys. So definitely check that out. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, Villanova, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Illinois, those are all teams that the odds are probably decent for them. Other than that, I think it would be too deep a cut, <laughs> too, too deep a take. If you go any further out, obviously, I think West Virginia is a good basketball team. Houston and Creighton could be fun picks, you know. I was going to say Houston and Creighton, you know, Loyola, if you're trying to find like a mid-major that you want to back. I I definitely trust Houston and Creighton a hell of a lot more than I trust Loyola or Drake at this point. Do you see both of those teams out of the Missouri Valley sneaking into the tournament? At this point, how do you keep Drake out? I mean, they lost their best player. They still managed to split against Loyola. They're probably not going to do anything, unfortunately, because of that injury. But I, they, they at least deserve to, to make the dance. They've been America's sweetheart. Don't, don't break our hearts. Absolutely. And also, you know, they have one of the biggest sample sizes out of any team in college basketball. They've just played a ton of games. They're 23-2 and two right now. Um, I, no, you can't keep them out. They're shooting the ball very well, especially just basically from the floor, averaging 50% as a team, tied for 14th in the country, just in, in true shooting percentage. You know, it's a team that, yeah, they're probably not going to do a whole lot uh, when it comes to dance. They might win their first matchup, but you still keep them in there for sure. Um, And kind of the same, Loyola Chicago right now, they're an interesting team because offensively, they're not very diverse. They have a terrible, I'm not going to say terrible because tempo is subjective. They have a very slow tempo. It's not exciting. We'll say that. Right. But their defense is ranked first in adjusted defense in the entire country. They're just a, they're just playing very good basketball. And for, for you to try and pick one or the other to, to keep out, I just, I, I, I don't think you can. Drake, they're 50th in Kempom right now. So they've obviously slipped a good bit. Um, offensively, they're pretty bad in tempo as well. Again, not bad, slow. They're not an exciting team to watch necessarily. But yeah, both teams should get in. Um, especially, quite frankly, when you have, you know, just looking at Andy Katz, for example, if you're having a bracket where you find a way to get four Big East teams in there, there better be two. There better be Loyola, Chicago, and Drake because they have earned it more than teams like Seton Hall and Xavier um, and, you know, St. John's or UConn. So, yeah, Drake and Loyola, they definitely should be in there. The thing that I loved about those Drake-Loyola games is those were games for the true college basketball heads. If you're if you're the kind of college basketball fan that only watches for NBA prospects, you know you only turn in, tune in for the, you know the Michigan Ohio State type shootouts. You were gonna hate that game, but if you love college basketball and you love a grinded out like sixty to to fifty seven, and obviously tempo, it's it's more exciting. But those were good games and they were really competitive. I'd love to see both of those teams make it. We're going to flip our, our conversation now to local hour. We're going to talk some Pac-12, some Mountain West. Oh, I guess briefly before we do that, let's talk about the SEC. Who finishes second? Because right now, Alabama's completely run away with the league. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's between LSU and Arkansas, and those teams are going to play each other. Um, deck on Saturday. LSU, they've got two games left at Georgia, at Arkansas, and at home at Vanderbilt. 
mean, you feel great about that because Georgia and Vandy are not very good. As far as Arkansas goes, their remaining schedule, Alabama, LSU, and South Carolina. So smart money would tougher. say put it on LSU because even if LSU wins – or I'm sorry, even if LSU loses – there's still a greater chance – I'm sorry, loses head-to-head. There's still a greater chance they just win outright just based on how easy that schedule is. LSU going 2-1, and one, uh, probably more likely than – or uh, more likely than Arkansas going 2-1. and one. So, you know, you like that. But obviously, if, if you're LSU, just win out. You're good to go. Finish second in that conference. You'll get a bid. Um, you know, that's that's kind of as simple as it is. You're right. Alabama's run away with this thing, and it, – not much else to discuss. Tennessee kind of blew it. I mean, I've been kind of high on Arkansas for the last month, so I'd like to see them kind of close it out strong. Admittedly, I'm a, I'm an Eric Musselman fan, just given that he came from Nevada. He was fun to watch there. Um, if they win the league, he'll probably take his shirt off. So I guess that'd be a fun prop bet. I should hit DraftKings up. <laughs> it, if, if it comes down to the last game, what are the odds Must removes his shirt on the court? It'd be extremely high. I would take that. He's a... He's not ashamed of his body. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. I also root for Arkansas because a couple of their players follow me on Twitter, and that's really all it takes, man. Just just appreciate JTM, and I'll appreciate you back. So shout we out to Arkansas. We can easily, folks. That is the exactly. moral of the story. <laughs> you can influence our picks very easily with just a follower, a shout out. Maybe buy some DNVR merch, and we'll be all aboard. Exactly. Hey, I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing anything. I'm just saying that's who I'm going to root for. And, and I'm pulling for the must bus. Let's talk about the Pac-12, though, because the Pac-12, it's obviously not going to get the, t- the attention of the rest of the country. I don't even think it's necessarily as strong as some of the other leagues, but it's been a lot of fun. And, and the top half of the Pac-12 is damn good. They're probably going to get five teams into the tournament, I'd say. Um, who's who's going to pull this out? Can anybody catch USC? The only team that could is UCLA. And that's because they play each other head to head. But after watching what USC did to Oregon last night, uh, and for those of you who missed the game, Oregon or USC beat Oregon 72-58. Oregon is making up a ton of games on their schedule. Um, and if you were a Ducks fan, you originally felt great about that. Get a chance to prove yourself. And then you get blown out by USC. The, the Trojans are very good. Um, and there's really nothing else to say about them. You know, they've got the Mobley brothers. So really, this conference comes down to kind of a a race for who separates where. And that's what's interesting is the Pac-12, unlike the Big 12, has successfully rescheduled tons of games. Colorado added Arizona State. Stanford added a couple matchups. Like I said, Oregon has now added. They've got that USC game. And they've added in games against Arizona and UCLA in the final week of the season as well. So now Oregon has five conference games remaining to kind of get them in a better position as far as what that sample size looks like. If you are, you know, looking on where to bet, I, I think UCLA does have a decent chance if you want to pick an upset, but it's probably going to remain the same as far as UCLA, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Colorado, Stanford, as far as how the rankings finish. Um, and just to then kind of switch over and we can knock out the local stuff with the bus right now. I've been on record on the bus podcast and caught in some blacklist that being the four seed for them is the best that th- thing for them. Because this season, the Pac-12 tournament, Arizona is not competing. So the top five teams get a buy. If you're Colorado and you're a four seed, that means you play Stanford on the second day. 
which is a team that you've destroyed twice. You know how to beat Stanford. So if it's between Colorado playing Stanford or playing a team like Washington State, Utah, Arizona State, I'd rather them play Stanford because Colorado right now plays great against good teams and plays so bad against bad teams that, first of all, you love that because come March, you should only be playing good teams. But to just take on Stanford and be done with it, I'm in favor of that. And then turn around and play USC, presumably, in that next round. And I think Colorado matches up with USC better than any other team in this conference. So if you're a bus fan, you've got three games left. Home against uh, – all three of them are at home. You've got the L.A. schools this week. And the conference rescheduled the game against Arizona State for next week. So McKinley Wright's final regular season game will be against Remy Martin. You love that for a couple of reasons. McKinley Wright, better than Remy Martin. World needs to know it. Also, McKinley Wright, five and two head-to-head against Remy Martin Sun Devil teams. Okay, so in a hypothetical scenario, and I don't, I don't think this is going to happen. This is not me trying to be a CSU hater or anything like that. Let's say the Buffs go one and two. Their only win is over Arizona State. Are our Buffs fans panicking? Do you see them? You know, where do you see them seating wise if they if they finish one and two or potentially zero and three? Yeah, you know, Buffs fans will panic, but I mean, I've learned very quickly in this job that Buffs fans panic over everything. I mean, for Christ's sake, they lost a four game, four point game at Oregon, and it was like the sky was falling. Yeah, Colorado was in that game. Should they have maybe pulled it out? Probably, but it was a game that they shouldn't really have won for where they're at. The Buffaloes are a good basketball team. That means you split on the road and you win at home. They're not a great basketball team where they can pull off all these upsets. With that being said, though, they still did beat USC in the Galen Center. That's a great win. But, yeah, if they, if they go one and two, I, you know, I think you're disappointed for sure because I think this team does have a higher ceiling. But I still think that finishes them up as an eight seed. Um, 0-3 would be where I'd be concerned just because Arizona State's not a great team. You need to at least take care of business there. But I've been saying all season this team had a ceiling of a five seed and a floor of a ten seed. Realistically, they're in the 7-8 conversation. You hope to God it's a seven because being an eight seed is just tough. Um, but either which way, I think that's still just fitting into the, what the narrative is of this of this basketball season. And, and either which way, they should have already locked up a first-round buy in the tournament, which is something they've never done. This is a good year for Tad Boyle's squad. Um, and let's not forget, they have a top-10 recruiting class coming in in 2021 just because McKinley Wright's leaving. And look, he is quite literally one of the most prolific players to ever wear the black and gold. But this team is looking and trending in the right direction as far as the young guys they already have and the young guys they're bringing in next year. I'm not worried about the buffs going in. Um, I will say history is, is not exactly on their side. Obviously, you think about the collapse last year. We'll just kind of have to see. I, I think they have the experience. I mean, you, you can lean on a guy like McKinley, and that's what's so valuable down the stretch here. He's one of those guys. He can just take over and win a game single-handedly. I've hyped him up a lot. I have a ton of respect for him. Again, I'm not trying to be CSU hater here. I want to see both of these teams make the tournament and potentially make runs because I think that's what's going to be best for everyone in the state. And I just selfishly want to have more local college basketball to get to watch and cover. So that's what I'm hoping. And that's how I'm hoping it it plays out. I'm glad that you mentioned, though, that you don't want to be an eight seed because for a while, and and I don't think they're going to be seated that high if they get not large now, but CSU was kind of getting that eight seed projection for a couple of weeks. And 
I, I think if you're CSU or CU, being a seven seed would be great, but I'd rather be a 10 seed than an eight seed. I mean, ultimately, you're going to have to beat a good team at some point, but just that it's so deflating, you know, to, oh, yeah, we just, you know, we got an NCAA tournament win. Hell yeah. Oh, now we got to play Gonzaga. I mean, that's what happened to CSU back in 2013. They pick up a big time win over Missouri. Nobody thinks it's going to happen. You're excited. And then you go on to face the eventual national champion, Louisville, the next round. Absolutely brutal. There, there is some gamesmanship there. You know, being a higher rated seed is not necessarily always the best. Yep, absolutely. And, and, you know, every year there's pretty much at least one, maybe even two, 12 upsets over five. And so, you know, if you're in that conversation, you might not mind that either because it, it's really possible. It just, it, it's so interesting this year six that's going to be the s curve and and there's allegedly not going to be any region bias or anything like that the only you know scheduling factors that might alter the s curve are if conference opponents play each other too soon because there are still stipulations around that but completely agree if you're in the eight conversation you pretty much say f it give me a 10 11 or 12 because at that point i'm looking long term what's the easiest path to the sweet 16 it might be beating a four and a five rather than beating a seven and a two or any, or, you know, again, or an eight slash nine and then a one seat. So it's all about, you know, how can you get to the sweet 16? Because that's really, that would be huge for either of these programs. And, and yeah, if you're not at least a seven seat, uh, you don't want to be an eight or a nine, and then you want to fall back into double digits. Absolutely. Let's talk Mountain West. What's going on? Because I've heard some rumblings about game reschedules. I'm confused. I need the insider take. What is happening with this schedule moving forward for all these teams? You know, I think we're probably going to get some clarity on that later this afternoon, which is unfortunate just for the timing of of the recording of this podcast. But based on the reporting of a couple of different people, uh, Mark Ziegler specifically out in San Diego, Jeff Grammer in Albuquerque, the Mountain West is really pushing for, for the league to make up some of these games next week, potentially even games that you, you know, didn't necessarily think would be prioritized. For instance, San Diego State could potentially have to play uh, UNLV, which would be obviously a tough game. They've got Bryce Hamilton, one of the best scorers. You know, if you're, if you're San Diego State, you've managed to crack back into the top 25. You've really, you know, managed to, to do things. You've got two really tough games against Boise State this week. The last thing you want is potentially a bad loss against UNLV right at the end. For CSU, it's a really complicated situation because obviously the the Nevada series got postponed, as did the New Mexico ones. According to Ziegler, CSU would rather play New Mexico. And it's kind of interesting because for a long time, I was under operating under the assumption that, you know, getting, you know, another quad two win at Nevada would be better for CSU. But as some people have pointed out, just beating the living hell out of New Mexico, like beating them by 30, you know, twice might actually be better for CSU's net. And you have, you know, you, you just don't run the risk of, of losing a bad game there. What do you think? Like, would you, if you were a CSU fan, Ben, would you rather CSU beat the hell out of New Mexico two times, try and juice the numbers a little bit, or would you rather, you know, try to prove yourself on the road against a really tough Nevada team? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if this is the appropriate term for it, but it's an ethical pickle (laughs) because it's like, it's, it's a, it's a question of floor and ceiling, you know, New Mexico 
you have a you destroy that team. Is it going to really enhance your rankings? Maybe not. It's it's essentially saying, look, we can beat the hell out of bad teams. Like we belong, and that absolutely has its merit. Or again, you you take on Nevada, and if you pick up two wins there, the wins are more valuable, but the losses almost might be more detrimental, just because when you are one of these you know mid majors, one of these smaller conferences, you just can't afford many losses. It doesn't really matter how they come. So. As a fan, next CSU's greatest strength, you know, because they don't, they don't have a bad loss right now. That's the toughest part is do you roll the dice and you try and pick up that win or do you try and get the two easy wins? And, you know, another thing to consider as of right now with how the tiebreakers work out, CSU, assuming they don't lose another game, they're going to have at least a share of the regular season conference championship picking up two more wins over New Mexico doesn't guarantee it, but you know, that could be the difference between splitting and, and, and getting it outright. I, I don't think if you're, if you're looking at CSU's resume at that point as a selection committee and what has been a really good year for the Mountain West, you can't really leave out the regular season champion no matter what they do in the Mountain West tournament, which is obviously how the auto bid is determined. I, I do think there is some logic if you're CSU to being like, look, we'd rather play New Mexico because we don't have to go on the road. We get it at home. We can help our net. And we just don't run the risk of losing. I mean, you, you can lose any game. You could lose to New Mexico. And if, if that happens, that would probably keep you out of the tournament. But if you're CSU and, and it comes down to those two, I just I think I'd rather play New Mexico at this point. Yeah. They're, as I'm looking at their net ranking, I do think, obviously, you know, those Nevada wins would be huge because right now, they're three and four in quad one, quad two games. Even trying to get that up over 500 would be big. Um, but also then when you look at where they're at in the Kempom, they're 66th in Kempom right now. 90th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Beating the hell out of a team twice. You know, Kempom loves not just wins, but blowout wins. So that would really help. And, and, and that might balance it out and get caught. If, if Colorado State then moves up into you know, the low 50s, high 40s in Ken Palm really gets that uh, adjusted offense together. Then they're really putting together that strong resume because they're close to 500 in quad one, quad two games. Um, finishing undefeated would probably put them around 42, 43 uh, range in the net. So they wouldn't move up too, too far in the net just because those would be quad four wins. But holistically, I think it does get them over the hump and at least gets them to, you know, Maybe a 12 seed. Look, Andy Katz has had them as a play-in game for damn near every single week, except this week when he left them out. Is that, and this is a complete pivot, but is a play-in game, would you find that disrespectful as far as what this season has been through for like what, what this team has done? No, I think a play-in game would be pretty fair. At that point, you're giving them a shot. And, and obviously, it's unfortunate because you have to try and win another game. But that can also, you know, be kind of fun if you, it's just another chance to pick up another win in the tournament. It's not technically that round of 68 or whatever. But, hey, it's a, it's a tournament game. You have a chance to get your offense going. And at this point, if you're CSU, I think you'll just kind of take whatever you can get. It's been a wonky situation. It's unfortunate that they lost games against Colorado and Cal and Oregon State. And they were supposed to host Richmond. And... I mean, it's it's not like they they didn't try and play bigger teams this year. It just didn't work out in their favor due to COVID nineteen. 
a play-in game to me, that would be an acknowledgement of, hey, we think you deserve to, to be here. You've, you've squared up against quality competition. Do it again. And if you do it again, you're in. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I, I think play-in games, you know, the teams that are in the play-in games, they never necessarily make it very far. But people don't talk about the fact that that still counts as an NCAA tournament win. And that still then has a kickback money towards your league. And also, the way this year is set up in particular, I think those playing games are going to have way more eyes than any year before. So if there's any year to be stuck in a 12-12 matchup, like you you take it this year absolutely because that's going to be great exposure, especially if you go in there and take care of business. I think that, I think that the positives would outweigh the negatives. You know, that being said, where are you at with how many bids this league gets? Is it a three-bid league? I'm sorry, excuse me. Is it a three-bid league? Is it a four-bid league? Is Utah State on the outside looking in or the other way around? I think Utah State losing both games at Boise State unfortunately sealed their fate. They are good enough to be in the NCAA tournament, and they're good enough to win a game or two. They really needed a win at Boise State. As of right now, I think it's for sure a two-bid league with a really strong chance to be three. Now, there's a decent chance that even if it is a three-bid league, like two of those teams end up being in play-in games. But as long as they get three in, I would be happy. CSU, they can't afford another loss. Boise State and San Diego State, they're probably looking to at least split against each other. If, if either team sweeps there, it could get interesting to see how you know everybody views that in particular if San Diego State were to get swept by Boise State, all of a sudden Boise's resume looks phenomenal. San Diego State's not so much. I, I, ultimately, I'm, I'm going to go with three, and, and that's me being hopeful. I don't think the Big East is going to get four. I think three and three is much more likely. That's what I'm hoping for. Maybe I'm being you know too optimistic at this point, but it'll be a shame. It'll be a shame if it's only a two-bid league because it is good enough this year. No, I, I agree. I think three is where it should be. And again, that goes back to two, the, the Big East conversation. And, you know, it, it just, it, that would just not be fair to have four on two split, especially when some of those teams coming from the Big East are Xavier and Connecticut, who just haven't done the same things like teams from the Mountain West have done. And that's me not being a homer. You know, <laughs> I was raised to not like Mountain West teams, but. You know, the, the point of this is, can we get the best 68 teams in one city and crown a champion? And by leaving out Colorado State, for example, or San Diego State, if, you know, Boise sweeps, leaving out one of those teams in favor of a Connecticut, I think just plays into the East Coast bias. It plays into the fact that those markets are better and that's why they're getting that bump. And in a year like this, this should be the year where you say screw it to all that because everybody's just playing in one place, you know, and the fan capacity. You don't have to worry about ticket sales. I mean, it's 25% capacity. They'll sell whatever allotment they have. Yep. I mean, selling out is not going to be a question. They will sell it out for every game. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, bomb who against St. Mary's Church. You know, it doesn't matter who they're playing. So... It should be the best teams, and, and in my opinion, it's three teams out of the Mountain West and kind of go from there. Um, shameless plug on, on the local talk, Colorado State and uh, Colorado uh, Buffaloes. Got some sticker packs into the DMVR locker. Check those out if you haven't had a chance to yeah, yet. Dope. 
perfect uh, to put on water bottles, laptops right before the tournament ramps up. Uh, so shameless plug there, but yeah, interesting finish for the Mountain West. Um, I'm excited. It, it's a conference that has a more exciting finish than maybe the likes of even the Big 12 or the ACC just because it's still up in the air. That's a good point. I mean, so many of these leagues at this point, it, it's come down to who's going to finish second. Like we know by far who's going to win the league. Mountain West, the Pac-12 even, you know, we've got some excitement out here on the West Coast. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. We are going to just real quick go through some some fun games that are coming up this week. It's a really good week of college basketball. But first, we brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source from for farm to table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the beautiful US of A straight to your door. And they call their beef the blue collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu Frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors, original, sweet, and spicy. And their hamburger just happened to win Food Network's best Northeast Burger Jam. So not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows, giving you that very high prime product. It's grown with zero antibiotics, no hormones. Head over to Hassle Cattle Company. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L. CattleCompany.com. Use the promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off your order at HassleCattleCompany.com. I'm telling you, you're going to get free shipping. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. You've got date night. Maybe you've got you know some buddies coming over for the NCAA tournament. Get some Hassle Cattle beef. It's going to be a hit. All right. We've got some awesome games coming up. Um, like I said, we're going to just kind of run through these really quickly. We've already talked about a lot of these teams in depth. Starting Wednesday, February 24th, though, number six, Alabama at number 20, Arkansas. This game matters a lot more for Arkansas than it does for Alabama. But also, I mean, if it's, it's another chance for Alabama to just kind of assert their dominance and really, you know, make that strong case for the one seed. This is a must win for both teams in such a different way. Arkansas, they're battling to, to stay competitive in the conference. Alabama is battling for that national credibility. I mean, if they win out, especially a game like this on the road at Arkansas, Arkansas is a good team. This just gives them another feather in the cap as far as being a one seed. Um, you know, that being said, it, it would be difficult to pick against Alabama. The number two adjusted defense in the, in the country, defense travels. You know, everybody talks about their offense, they're fun to watch, they shoot a lot of threes, and that's all true. But the, the, the best part about this team is how good they are on defense. That is actually what's going to carry them far in the tournament. So, you know, I, I think Alabama's got the clear advantage here and just, just keep on winning roll tide and, and see where they finish up. We've made this point before, so I won't, you know, dive into it too much, but I don't think people realize how good Alabama is defensively because the pace that they play at, you know, we talked about earlier about, you know, slow pace and it and not being fun to watch. Bama is the complete opposite. I mean, they, they go balls to the wall on offense. They shoot threes, they get to the rim. That's basically all they do. It's, it's really efficient. If you're, if you're doing it from a metric standpoint, taking really high percentage shots, but like you said, they play great defense. It travels. They're going to give up some points just because there are so many possessions in a game, but when it all comes down to it, they're just, they're so efficient on both ends of the floor. That's really the only great game on Wednesday. 
flipping it over to Thursday, we've got number 10, West Virginia. And oh, no, we don't. That game is postponed. Excuse me. No West Virginia Baylor, but we do have number nine, Iowa, and number three, Michigan. Again, if you're Michigan, you want to just win this and, you know, keep that one seed. Yep. Um, another situation where both teams have a lot on the line, Michigan, credibility, keep, keep on winning and, you know, show that nothing so far has been a fluke. You know, if you let Iowa come into your house and lose at home against the team that, you know, especially because Michigan has such a great offense. Um, and so for them to lose a game against Iowa in what is probably a shootout, that would be disappointing. So just take care of business. If you're Iowa, though, you really do need another one of these wins because right now, I don't even know what seed to put Iowa at. I haven't, haven't thought about it enough. But Michigan right now, third in Kempom. They have the seventh-ranked adjusted offense, 11th-ranked adjusted defense. is a very balanced team. Um, and, they're, and they do it in an interesting way because their tempo is in the 200s. So they're a methodical team. Hunter Dickinson in the post um, you know, should be a good matchup. Definitely tune in. Still, money on Michigan. That that team is very, very good. I'm all in on the Wolverines right now. They're they're a team I'm going to be rooting for. One for Ben, uh, but two for my grandpa, who is a Michigan alum. So go Wolverines. Some really exciting Pac-12 games on Wednesday. We've got UCLA at Utah, number 19 USC at Colorado, obviously, and then Oregon at Stanford. So three games that are really going to have a lot of implication on these final conference standings. Ben, are you going to be able to keep up with all this Pac-12 basketball? You know, it's going to be tough because uh, also on Thursday, there's a Nuggets game. Or no, I, as, yes, it's a Nuggets game on Thursday. And I volunteered to do the Nugget Challenge uh, with the likes of some other members in the DNVR community. So it's going to be a busy night between watching the Nuggets, eating the Nuggets, and cramming all this Pac-12 matchups in. Eventually throwing up the Nuggets. Yep, absolutely. You know, maybe I'll have some breakfast seltzers on top of it. Who knows? We'll just make a concoction that's just so unhealthy that my body maybe doesn't reject it. Um, you know, just going through these games, UCLA at Utah. UCLA need to take care of that game. Utah is hit or miss, but the uh, Bruins need to take care of business. USC at Colorado is probably going to be the closest matchup because both of these, te- these teams have fantastic front courts. Um, I think Colorado has a chance strictly because they're at home. They played very well against USC historically, especially in Boulder. This is a game where if you're Colorado, you really need to win it um, because not even for conference standings, but just to make sure people remember you, you know, pick up a quality win like this. That being said, I think this again is, is going to be a game that's, that's more closer to a pick them than, than maybe the ranking of, of these teams would suggest. And then finally, Oregon and Stanford, the Ducks, man, the Ducks, you, they got so close to being ranked and having actually some good national attention. And then you get destroyed last night. Um, you know, that was their chance to prove it. Now they're just kind of in damage control mode. Take care of Stanford um, because Stanford is, again, they're not as good a team. I think they're on the bubble. If you're the, if you're a fan of the Cardinal, they really don't have any margin for error because they're so close to that bubble. That's an interesting game to watch just for both of those teams' um, March Madness, you know, NCAA tournament standing. If you're a CSU fan, I think Stanford is one of the teams you're rooting against. I think they're kind of in that conversation for that. You know, you got you, Stanford, some of these other teams are going to be in that 65 to 68 type range of like the teams that end up getting in. Going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, real quickly, you brought up the USC Colorado dynamic, and, and this isn't you know, a logic I would base, you know, like placing money on or anything like that. But it is interesting to see how those dynamics kind of work out. It kind of reminds me 
back in the day when Larry Stacy was still at CSU, for some reason, he always had his teams ready to play Wyoming. No matter how good Wyoming was, they always seemed to do well against Wyoming. They'd find a way to win. Football, Mike Bobo couldn't beat Wyoming to save his freaking life, but basketball, he found a way. It's kind of a similar deal like in Boulder. They, they can't beat USC in football to save their life, but they just seem to have their number in basketball. I'm probably going to sprinkle a few bucks on the buffs at home because I think they have a good shot to win this one. Not much going on Friday. We do have Richmond at St. Louis, but those are both teams that have really fallen off the map. So we're just going to jump to Saturday, which if you're a College Hoops fan, Saturday is where it's at. We got Michigan at Indiana, Texas at Texas Tech, Tennessee at Auburn. I mean, these are all like before noon. Which game are you most excited for out of those couple that I just listed? Got to be the, the, the Texas matchups just because both teams, again, they're not playing their best ball. Um, I, I still put my money on Texas Tech. There's something about Chris Beard and the Red Raiders that I love. But they are in a worse shape than, than the Longhorns are. They're on a three-game skid right now. This is, again, I need not it. saying must win. It, it's, it feels cliche hearing it over and over again. But the truth of the matter is, at this point in the season, damn near every game is a must win. So I'm going to try and stop using it just so I stop sounding so repetitive. But if you are a fan of the Red Raiders, hell, if you are a, not a fan of Texas, this game could go a long way as far as determining those seed lines. You know, both these teams, their rivals in the Big 12, this should be a fiery, intense matchup. Speaking of uh, conference rivals or intense matchups, we've also got number five, Illinois, traveling to number 23, Wisconsin. Again, you know, if you're Wisconsin, you're not going to surpass Illinois at this point, but it would be a big win for your own seeding. And if you're Illinois, you know, if you want to be in that conversation, you know, for a one seed, a two seed, I think they're strongly in the conversation for a two seed at this point. But if you want to put, you know, put yourself in that, in that conversation, you've got to take care of business here on the road. Yeah, I think this game is actually more important for Illinois than it is Wisconsin. Just for everything you just mentioned. I mean, I just, I, I don't think Wisconsin. I think you're right, actually, honestly. Like, Wisconsin, they're still going to make the tournament whether they lose this game or not. Same with Illinois, but they, they, they just have a lot more to lose from a, a clout side, I guess, you know, a, a, how we view them on a national level. Yeah, and, and Wisconsin, I mean, they're, they're just, they're so far out of the Big Ten race that right now, even if they play a, a competitive game and lose, I still think it's fine. But for Illinois, you're on a hot win streak. Win another one on the road against a good team. That's just going to make the metrics love you even more. And if they cement themselves again at like four in the net and four in the Kempom, it's just going to be tough for them to actually not have a more legitimate case for the one seed. And that would even include if they don't win the Big Ten tournament. You know, if you compare to Illinois as, as let's say they finish four in Kempom and four in net against Alabama, who might be five, six, seven, but Alabama wins their conference. I think that's a true heavy debate. And the only reason that that, that that debate occurs is if Illinois takes care of this game on the road. That's a great point. This is a big game. There's a lot of just important ones. LSU at number 20, Arkansas, depending on how Arkansas does against you know Alabama, that'll kind of impa- impact how much this game ends up mattering. But it will have implications for who finishes second. We've got Oklahoma State at you know Oklahoma. That's huge for Oklahoma. They want to try and close out strong, finish second in the conference. Number 11, Florida State at UNC. 
I think this game deceptively matters a little bit. If you're UNC, you know, you're, you're trying to hold on. You really need a win here for your, for your at-large resume. And then if you're Florida State, you kind of want to solidify yourself because as we've said, they just haven't played that many big games this year. Yeah. I, North Carolina has a very good chance at winning this game. And I, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest because... They're great at home. Yeah, they, they are. Haven't lost. And there's just something about Florida State that just isn't vibing with me right now. I don't know what it is, but I'm not all the way there yet on the Seminoles. I still think Virginia is the clear-cut best team in that conference. And Agreed. I think over the remainder of this schedule, I do think it somehow sorts itself out and Virginia bounces back and is able to overtake Florida State uh, and win this conference. God, man. That Duke loss, it was so frustrating. And Virginia, they had so many chances down the stretch to take that. They played a horrible game. They still had a chance. Can't remember the name of their point guard, but that three-point attempt was like a full five feet short. It was a great shot contest, and it was a tough situation. But let me down, Virginia. Let me down. I don't want to see Duke in. Duke does host Louisville. They've got to win that one. If, if they drop against Louisville, you know, I said earlier today they're in the tournament. They're, they are going to have to win that one, and I think they do. I'm... I'm pretty out on Louisville at this point. And then uh, after that, we've got uh, Baylor at Kansas. Assuming that that game actually happens, we'll have to see. You never know with Baylor. You know, not really a ton of... It's not going to impact the standings at all. Baylor's going to win the Big 12. If you're Kansas, it's a chance to not go 0-3 down the stretch. Really, you know, finish in the top 25. If If they do, I'll be curious to see where they finish. Yeah, USC at Utah, UCLA at Colorado, and then Air Force at CSU. Before we go, let's just briefly talk about this UCLA-Colorado game. How do you like how the Buffs match up? Because you mentioned that you think that the Buffs match up against USC better than anyone in the conference. How do you feel in that Bruins matchup? Oh, not good at all. (laughs) I mean, UCLA terrifies me. I feel like every game that, that I've covered UCLA at Colorado, it's always just been tough you know there's a lot to love about this UCLA team even without Chris Smith you know with his injury it was tough to project where UCLA would finish up they've still got a good team um I I think they're worse now than they were when the Buffs played them originally in January so I think there is something to it to that this is another one where quite frankly my opinion on this game is going to be dependent on how USC and Colorado play on Thursday, as well as how UCLA plays against Utah. This one is, for me, Saturday feels like years away as far as how I can project this game. Um, So just from a matchup standpoint, I think UCLA still does does pull this out. There's just something about Mick Cronin who just has Tad Boyle's number uh, from a coaching standpoint. So don't be surprised if that happens. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if Colorado goes 1-1 one and one or 0-2 oh over this stretch. Tough way to close the season for sure. CSU, you know, you're feeling pretty confident going into this Air Force series. Air Force just dropped a game against New Mexico. It has not been their year under Joe Scott. I still think firing Dave Polopovich was a huge mistake. Underrated coach was able to keep them competitive year in and year out despite just immense recruiting hurdles. But if you're CSU, you know, it's always it's a tough spot to play a team that's, you know, been playing the last couple of weeks. It'll be three full weeks since the Rams last played at Wyoming. Brutal. The uh, the admin failed CSU here, guys. They they needed to add a game. 
and it did not come together. I've tried to give them the benefit of the doubt throughout the year. I understand that it's tough circumstances. It's ridiculous that they are going to be going into this Air Force series cold. Just a total failure. I feel bad for the players. I feel bad for the coaching staff. It sucks that it happened. And I know they tried to put a game together, so I'm not I'm not trying to completely rail on them. But they, they needed to do more than they did over these last couple of weeks, and that sucks. And hopefully it doesn't keep them out of the tournament. We will be talking all kinds of college basketball over the next couple of weeks. I'm sure we're going to really ramp up our coverage here. Uh, maybe even get a couple of weeks with two pods just because there's going to be so much good college basketball to talk about. We'll have to see them. I'm Justin Michael. Ben Girding, he's with me. We're always talking hoops. Much love. Peace. <laughs>